0: Hi everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Youth Vibes. I'm Daniel Sule. I am Plankat. Also. Hi Plankat. Welcome. Welcome. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it, has, it, has it has been a hot moment since we had you on this show. Last time you came on, let's not talk about it, I talked about our last please, time. Please, <laughs> please, <laughs> let's, let's not, let's not. <laughs> Okay, but before before your last appearance on the show we talked about, we had you in a sort of cameo role. Where where in the episode we heard with Mrs. Merciaba where we talked about gambling yeah and I, I, I think it's a good time to follow that episode up with another one. What do you think?
1: Very, very correct, sir. <laughs> very correct. All right. Who better
0: to bring on this show than, for the first time on Youth Vibes, Dr. Ferdinand Obaji? Welcome,
2: sir. Thank you for having me. <laughs> thank it's a you pleasure more. to be here for the first time. Thank you. Thank, thank you for
0: coming. I'm not going to say anymore. Please thank don't. You for <laughs> 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 and our dear Nath Madhu is here with us today. Thank you very much for coming, sir. It's a pleasure to well, be here. short in. notice for you, so we appreciate you. coming no, That's much. okay. I let him do all the hard work. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Uncle. So last time you we were here, we talked about toxic masculinity and what it means to be a man. This week on the show, we're going to talk about something that is, and I mean for everybody that is listening, you would have probably noticed that everybody on this show is a, is a man right now <laughs> we're talking about something that predominantly affects men as far as i know i could be wrong i, think I have my experience in this thing than i do but as far as i know it's only men that um, recently even girls gambled in. hi what has not happened to this world <laughs> <laughs> anyway predominantly it's men that that, that that fall victim to this epidemic and we want to talk about it, it be, it be, we want to go to the root cause, causes of gambling and look at the, the long-term effects, not just um, our own personal stories like we did the last time on the show. So, welcome to you both once again. Okay, um, thank you. I, I, I think we'll kick this off with an interesting statistic that Plankat raised.
1: Okay, Okay. sure. Yeah. Okay, so the statistics I have on gambling in Nigerites, we have about... 44.39% of male people who are involved in gambling. We have 55.1% female, which is higher than the number of males. That is the number. So we have 516 of children at the age of 13 to 15 gambling. We also have 43.40% at the age of 16 to 18%. So we can see that. Sorry. was 40, 43%, 43.40%, 43.40% 16, 16 to 18 year olds. Yeah so most of these children actually get into gambling through ads either ads from advertisements from television phones phones Mm -hmm. especially so Mm -hmm. those are the statistics we have on on gambling in nigeria
0: okay so if this if this is so prevalent among young people especially i'm sure that i mean there are there are stats on older people as well but well this is primarily a podcast for young people if this is so prevalent among young people then I want to start with you, what's the role of parents, because you've been in this game for longer, <laughs> what's the role of parents in curtailing the spread of gambling as a habit?
3: Well, I think um, one of the basic thing when you talk about the role of parents okay. is the perception of the parents themselves. Okay. Okay. Because uh the way parents see it would influence how they relate to their kids when they venture into it. There are people who think there's nothing wrong with gambling and if they don't see anything wrong with gambling, yeah. when their kids do it, they don't see it as something that they should uh talk to them about or correct them about, as long as they're not coming asking them for their own money to do it. <laughs> you know. So, for those kind of parents, you wouldn't expect much from them. Okay. Uh, Then you are left with the parents who say no to gambling and who have kids who are gambling. And the thing is that a lot of the kids that are involved in gambling, especially those who are uh, in their late teens, into their 20s, most of the time they are students. And sometimes their parents don't even know Mm. that they are doing these things. So, when the parents don't even know, they are in the dark Mm. so they can't really do anything about uh uh, about what they don't know anything about right Mm. so we're now left with smaller proportion of people who say no to gambling and who now know that their kids are into it and of course the role of such parents will be to ensure that they let the children know because if you just tell them outrightly don't do it without explaining or giving them the biblical basis why, or the Christian basis, why they should not do it, it becomes a very difficult sell. Okay. So in a situation like that, I would expect parents who have kids who are gambling to have their own perspective cleared out biblically from a Christian standpoint, and then sit down with their children, find out what is driving the process. Why are the kids into gambling? Because when you know why they're into gambling, you may be able to offer a solution that would address that particular problem. So you talk with them, find out why uh, they are into it, and see what you can do to help them. But fundamentally you have to make them understand the basis on which you are saying no to gambling. Okay. And except the parents themselves know why, then it's difficult to tell the children not to do it.
0: Okay.
3: Um, I, I want to ask a
0: hard question here. Mm. We'll, we'll come back to the biblical basis and everything mm. and get into the root causes later on in the show, but you're a parent, mm-hmm. albeit one with very grown children. My grandparent. <laughs> I still have ah, young grandparent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, well, yes, I you still have, to have young people in my house. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you found out that one of your teenagers were gambling mm-hmm. on a regular basis, mm-hmm. outside of scripture, what would you tell them is the reason why they shouldn't be gambling?
3: Okay for we're using live example now hmm. my kids okay uh i have kids in university too okay uh not biological kids hmm. but kids that were to be our own children we have two kids who are in uh secondary school hmm. okay for the kids in secondary school there's just absolutely no reason what do you need money for <laughs> okay because all your expenses are funded Including things that ordinarily your contemporaries may not get, but which we think you should be able to have, which we take care of. If you talk about those in university, it's the same thing. Okay, so the 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 very first thing for my kids, I'm looking at my kids now, very specific. Now, there is no basis why you would want to go into gambling because you go into gambling because you want to make money. Right. Okay. So if and for those in university, they receive monthly allowance. Everyone, they submit a budget, this is what we want to do. I look at that budget, I said, why do you need this? They justify it, I give it to them. Okay. So if I now give you money to take care of your legitimate costs, okay, including some little extras for you to be able to do the things you would like to do, data and all the other things, the first question for me will be, what do you need extra cash for? Okay. So for for me, that should not even be an issue to start with, okay? okay? But when they now say they want extra kind, then immediately i know they want to do other things that they're trying to conceal from me okay. because if they're not trying to do something that i'm not approving of that it will be part of the budget i'm submitting to, to to the family to say this is what we want to do and then we approve and give you the money so now when you now begin to talk about those other extra things that you want to do mm-hmm. very often is driven by greed driven by peer pressure driven by wanting to be like the other guy kind of a thing mm-hmm. and then when that happens then there's a need to reset the values or the value system that you hold on to because it means that something is wrong in terms of the kind of value system they're beginning to hold or to develop and that becomes something that i want to address even without talking about biblical basis mm-hmm. because greed is greed it doesn't matter whether you are a christian or not christian we all know what greed is and we know what greed can do so for me the thing is what is driving that desire to gamble and very often for them it will be something that is not approved of by me or by my wife uh, for them at that particular age okay so let's let's put a pin in that we'll come back to your
0: answer for kids that are not yours Mm
1: -hmm. yeah okay so i would like to direct this question to dr Ferdinand. And so, our previous, um, on our previous episode on this topic, gambling, we established that um, one of the side effects of gambling is trauma. So, the question I want to ask you is trauma. Trauma, yes. Okay. So, does gambling lead to trauma or is it caused by pre-existing trauma?
2: Well, I would say, I would say yes to both. <laughs> yes. Um, when you say trauma, I, would, I wanted you to specify what kind of trauma 'Cause it could be physical trauma, hmm. it could be psychological trauma. Okay. Be, yeah, in terms of emotional trauma and all of that. So which do you specify? I don't want to assume. Let's 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 stick with um psychological trauma. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. So Emotion. my answer stands. So yes for both. Okay. Trauma can both cause and then it can be a sequel, it can be a consequence yeah. of of gambling. Um Let me take it from the one that is more evident as a consequence of gambling. We know how gambling goes. You put in something, expecting something in return. And one of the fundamental things in gambling is the uncertainty. Yeah, Yeah, the uncertainty in the outcome. So when when you put your hopes on something and it doesn't come to pass it's like hope that is dashed like Mm. the scripture says so it does something to you we are in a season a sport season (laughs) that when your hopes go very high for an expectation and it doesn't come to pass it just does something to you so in terms of the trauma it can be it can give you emotional trauma in the sense that uh, what happens is that it's their psychological, involving even hormones, chemicals mm. in the brain. And once they go up and it just comes crashing down, it's already a problem. Usually the system in the body have it, has a way of regulating chemicals and hormones. Mm. They are not supposed to just it's rise great. and fall yeah. uh, within short periods of time. So when those things happen, it creates an imbalance in you. And then quickly people can go into... It can be the feeling of um, sadness. You've lost, definitely lost something, money most times. Or sometimes (laughs) it can be an item that people give. (laughs) So it can be an item. So that initial loss on its own is traumatizing. Then you now think of how it now makes you feel. Say, for instance, you had um, gone to look for the money somewhere else. Or perhaps cutting you somewhere else where you didn't... People, young people are funny. I'm saying, let me just quickly take this money that does not belong to me and then just turn it over. And then quickly I would return it. And it just doesn't happen. So you're not thinking of how am I going to return that? You go into sadness. You become depressed. And the whole secret goes there. You become unproductive in what you're doing at home, in church, in school. If you're... A worker, you become very unproductive in your workplace, and that just affects a whole lot of things. I'm going down the drain. Then, as a consequence of trauma, as I mean, as trauma causing it. Okay, Mm -hmm. quickly, I would just say if someone who is psychologically traumatized, um, I didn't talk about the other aspects of trauma. There can be economic trauma, (laughs) (laughs) the financial loss on its own, the type of, so someone who is already traumatized by anything it can be uh, it can be a loss i've been maybe loss of a loved one it can be um it can be any stressful condition that puts you under psychological stress some people's way of coping with that stress can just be to gamble, gamble okay. if you are if you if you watch a lot of movies you will see that sometimes when when some people in the movies get depressed, they just walk into the poker club and then <laughs> they begin to gamble. They bring out all the monies they have and then they put it into that. So the 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 trauma before that has now led you into um, this yeah uh, uh, gambling and betting. So either way, it can it can it can produce gambling. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, what?
0: what I, I said we were going to come back to the root causes earlier on and I, I, I want to touch on that um, before we go back to O'Connor's question. Um, what? Why do you think young people gamble just generally? Is it only to get money? um is it you mentioned depression do you think yeah. that's a major factor in it or what, what what do you think are some of the main reasons why people gamble
2: well i would i would i want to look at it at several level if you look at um gambling historically in fact you would see that it's a uh, it's something people do for leisure oh, okay yes it's is initially is like a form of recreation okay you just like um i don't know if you've heard of pool Yeah. uh, Yeah. uh, those days so for some people you just when when you gather in the viewing centers and all of that they play pool with their colleagues and it's some form of leisure people bring out um uh, they play their their cards their words and all and then you say okay um I'm betting that this person would win. If this person wins, I'll give you this or that. So it's recreation mm. for some people. So that historically is, you can say, that is one of the things that leads to, gam- to gambling and betting. So somebody just wants to relax. Mm. And then you have the means to relax, whether legitimately or otherwise. Mm. Okay, so you just take it as a form of relaxing. But to look at this in a more structured way, if you if you view the root causes of gambling at the level of the individual, at the level of the individual's family, or at societal level, it will help you to visualize the causes more clearly. Yeah. So, if you look at the individual now, we just had some statistics. Um, let's begin with with um, sex. Historically, <laughs> we know that males gamble more than females. Okay, yeah. Perhaps on the global scale, I think yeah, males still yeah. gamble more than females. So, in terms of gender, so that is clear. So, that can be a risk factor for gambling. The fact that you're a male, mm. you have a higher chance of gambling. Using yeah. maybe obvious, males are more risk takers. Yeah. And that is what, especially what gambling is taking risk for a certain things. Females, they like to be certain mm. in, in, in a lot of things. So, they don't like. Situations of uncertainty. So being a male puts you at a higher risk of um, being involved in gambling at the individual level. Then you look at age also. So gambling is is found more commonly along the adolescent and young younger age group. If you look at, say, between 15 and 24. Okay. So that age group, they are more likely to gamble. Then... At still at individual level, if you have somebody that um is exposed to peer pressure is in a, a place where this his friends around him okay are uh, engaging in gambling, the likelihood of you gambling is 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 higher so coming down and then rolling it to the family level if you're in a family where your father gambles and you escort him every now and then, there's a very high chance <laughs> that you are going to um, engage in gambling. Or you're in a family where gambling is tolerated, mm-hmm. same goes for the community too. Yeah. If you're in a community where it is tolerated, okay, um, um, you would be exposed to that. If you're in a family or in a community where you are exposed to social media, have access to social media and television, it makes gambling um, attractive. The sensationalism behind gambling is one of the things that works on people's subconscious that makes them think gambling is okay. For example, you see um, somebody like uh, JJ Okocha, and perhaps you're yeah, an aspiring footballer. You see him as the uh, the king of what is that? He's let me not advertise any, <laughs> any company now, and then they are telling you the reward for passion. <laughs> what you get. So, you that are passionate about football, mm-hmm. you see it like you need to be rewarded. And what is your reward for passion? It is when you put your energy, your resources into betting. That is when you get that reward. So, that media aspect, the sensationalism that people are exposed to, puts you at higher risk of gambling. When you idolize somebody in society, that is why they take celebrities and make them faces of some of these companies so that he said if this is my idol and he says this is okay then i can i can follow it is, it is a principle from scriptures paul said follow me as i follow christ <laughs> so, <laughs> so if my if my idol or my mentor mm-hmm. says gambling is fine then it must be fine right. okay then um i can do that too uh, i think let me leave it at that as some of the root causes. Okay, I think um, I would say we've talked about trauma, mm. okay, which is something that can lead you to mental health issues, Okay, which is something that can lead you to to gambling. Economic situation. Okay, I've been very close to, I know somebody that has been very close to me that has been traumatized by failed gambling and betting. Betting, school fees, Hmm. Severally. Why? Because the school fee is um he needs more money beyond his school fee yeah. for upkeep, for accommodation and his parents were unable to provide that. Okay. So he felt okay, why don't I just put this and then quickly 100%. double it, turn it over, and then it doesn't come. And then it's a cycle. So you say okay, I may be I may I may get a I may be lucky next time because the person on SuperSport is celebrating how they just made a big win. So I may just be the next lucky person. Then say, okay, let me just borrow a little cash and tell this guy, I'll return it next week, Saturday. I just want to do a quick project. <laughs> <laughs> and you put that in. So you see how the cycle continues. So economic situation, your financial situation, poverty can be a risk factor. So, and then when all the other environments... Are ripe for it to happen. The your situation is there; it's easily accessible to you. you. Just walk out of your house. There's a there's a betting club just across the street. Uh-huh. you can easily access it, and then they tell you, shake any money, hundred hundred naira. You can just start something, <laughs> and then you put in a little. So those easy accessibility pulls you in, and then the rest can, can be history. Okay.
3: You know, I was looking at uh, when, when uh, you invited me. I decided to see, can I find some kind of literature on this? Uh, essentially, I couldn't really get anything. But there is this um, NOI polls, which uh, <coughs> they work in alliance with um, Gallup polls in US. Okay. They conducted a survey in um, 2019. I couldn't find anything more recent. 2019 is a long time ago, but mm. we expect that you know, and when they ask people the reason for, you know, uh, betting, uh, 30% said they betted for quick money. They Mm. wanted quick money, 30%. Then 21% said because they're unemployed, Mm. so they need something to do to get money. Mm. Then uh, 15% said, well, it's just, they're just greedy for money, just want (laughs) one more. Yeah. You know, and then twelve uh, percent said they needed something to augment their income mm. so that they can live at the standard of living that they want to be living at mm. you know and then ten percent said it was because of poverty mm. then five percent said they did it just for fun then another five percent did it for the love of sports <laughs> mm. and then two uh, percent out of peer pressure so I think this kind of gives us a kind of an idea of the kind mm. of reasons that mm. uh, people give well you know, Link that with what you know. He has just said it gives us a kind of a perspective of why people go into it.
2: Mm. Just quickly to add to what yeah, Monk um, said to highlight that, I think it's the quick cash. Uh, like for us young, I'm I'm, I'm careful to say us young people these days because some two weeks ago, the preacher said the message is for young people between eighteen and thirty five years. So yeah. I decided to just pick my daughter and we stood outside. <laughs> <laughs> so for, for, for young people, quick cash, nothing beats that, something that comes quickly. And it really comes to the generation. Like uncle's generation, it's the hard work mm. that pays slowly mm. and compounds over time. That is what brings, but what for else? us, nah, you, you, you don't see why you should work hard when you can work smart. So, to be a billionaire at age
0: 20, why can't I be a billionaire at
2: 20? And then you can, so people will share success stories in quotes mm. of how just they've done this and they've become billionaires in a short period of time. So, that desire for quick money, okay, without putting so much effort is a, a very important reason why people go into
0: gambling
2: okay
1: i'm learning a lot (laughs) (laughs) so okunat back to um what you mentioned earlier you said there are certain questions you're going to ask your children when they are involved in gambling so what questions will you ask those children who are not involved who are who are gambling who are not your children
3: what questions will you be asking them this is the same thing really because whether you are my child or you are not my child the mm. principles remain the same right mm. okay so just like uh i would ask if i if i may, if okay, I may sure,
0: just to augment that question mm, a bit, sure. because i uh, he said it's the same thing but in your case you're dealing with people who present a budget to you every month and yeah. you, you supply that budget what happens when we have children that Don't have that
3: privilege.
0: Okay, so
3: that's why I said it's still the same question. Okay, why are you going into it? Okay, the responses is what will differ. Mm. Okay, for my Mm. own kids, okay, fine, you are already covered. So why are you doing Mm. it? Okay, but let's talk about a kid who, for example, has no, uh, uh, body to look after him and that kind of a thing. You know, and once again, I think to answer that question again, we'll, we'll probably be jumping again to maybe a question you're going to ask later. Yeah, 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 uh-huh. yeah. Because uh, it, it hinges on the propriety whether it is okay to gamble or it is not okay to gamble. Okay. Because if, for example, uh, we agree that it is not okay to gamble, I'm just saying we've, we've not gotten there yet, but if, for example, I agree that it's not okay, to gamble if we also agree that it's not okay to go into prostitution okay then the question would be will it be right to say okay because you are poor you can gamble even though it is wrong but because poverty has now forced you into gambling go ahead and gamble it's okay then I would say the same to the girl who goes now to prostitute to say, well I have no way to look after me so I must do prostitution so, once again, it, 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 we have to now, I think we have to agree on our perspective in terms of. So, poverty to me, uh, maybe we've overflogged that issue. Because the person who is able to put consistently, because this same study I read, the average gambler spends about 3,000 naira a day. <laughs> <laughs> so if you if you spend 3,000 naira a day in a month that's 90,000 not many fresh graduates earn 90,000 um. naira so for you to be a compulsive gambler to be able to spend that much on a daily basis poverty is not your problem poverty <laughs> is not the issue poverty is not the issue and that takes us again to what Ferdinand just said about this quick hit. Mm. we want to hammer early quickly you know uh, becomes an issue, so once again, it boils down to what is motivating you, what is driving you. Maybe as we we'll talk later, we'll be able to offer probably suggestions to people who are in their situations. They don't have any. You can't you can't revert to evil just because you don't have. Otherwise, even the the the, the is justify then. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, so one thing that strikes me again is the fact that um, people know about the side effects of gambling, but they still go ahead to gamble. So what what, what
3: do we say about this type of people? It's the addiction. Uh, Incidentally, I was thinking you would ask him because he's a doctor. (laughs) (laughs) But once you are addicted to something, you lose control over yourself. And things happen compulsively. And because they are now compulsively uh, happening, you, you you just do it. Even though it's just like someone who is addicted to cocaine. He knows it's killing him slowly. But once the effect of the last one wears off, what does he want? Another fix. Yeah? So people know, but because it has become an addiction, even when they suffer losses, they still keep going back, drinking, it will... And even people who hit it, I wish they would tell us how much they lost before they made it, now, yeah. and how much they made in comparison to how much they are sunk into the whole project. So, I think it's, it's just like something just taking a hold of your life and choking life out of you. You know it's not what you want to do, it's not the right thing to do, but you just don't have the capacity, you know, to extricate yourself from the hold of that particular habit. That's what I think drives them back. Okay, so um, Dr. Fedna,
2: what do you think about, about your thoughts about what he just said? Okay, um, gambling addiction is it's an entity on its own, well recognized entity. Okay. So, gambling addiction is not a moral problem, it's a medical problem, a mental health problem. Um, stealing is a moral problem. Kleptomania. On the other hand, mm. it's a medical problem where you can't help yourself mm. in that regard. So once it gets to that point where a person does or gambles or bets compulsively, the person cannot help himself. Especially when it gets to the point where it is harming you or your family or your work, then it's a problem that you cannot help yourself. You, are, you need external help. So that is the, that is the point where people need to identify because you need insight. You need to know that I have a problem, and then it's like someone who is drowning. You need to cry out for help. Mm-hmm. So if you don't cry out for help, you can't. People think you have it figured out, Well many people, because of the um, the kind of communities they may live in or families they may come from, and uh, how people may approach it, they would. Think is something they can help themselves out of it just works like any other addiction it's a it's it works in on the brain there's a pleasure center in the brain it's like and um, when you take a a substance of abuse or cocaine for example there's a way it makes you feel so you like that place so when you when he wins off you want to go back to that place. So it's like a safe zone for you. So people that people that gamble compulsively, there's a way it makes them feel. For some people, it may just be the adrenaline of uncertainty and it just keeps them alive and they just like being in that place. So they want to go back there again because it, it, that pleasure center in the brain is stimulated. It's just like a light bulb that comes on every time you're carrying out that activity. So such people need external help. And if... You have if you are such a person or you have somebody that is close to you, you need to let the person understand that he or she needs help and there's help okay that can be gotten. He or she doesn't need to see himself or herself as as primarily a sinner. Mm. You need to see yourself as a sick person that needs medical attention. If you have malaria, you will not hide it and say, mm. Okay, I don't want anybody to know I have malaria. Let me see how I can sort it out myself. Okay, you need external help. So that is what the level to which gambling addiction is. is progressive from may progress from the moral part, but when it gets to a stage, something else kicks in and takes control of you. It's no longer um, you that is in control.
0: Okay. I don't think we had considered that angle necessary or that necessarily, or that it's even an angle that is widely considered. in in the world today Um, just a bit of editorializing here I think that's I I think it goes back to what you were saying earlier about gambling having started as a recreational activity Mm. Uh, someone told me that drinking and we need to do an entire podcast on this (laughs) (laughs) but drinking in more advanced countries is generally a recreational activity people would take a sip or two now and then This is, Youth Vibes is in no way endorsing drinking. (laughs) Everybody, please. (laughs) But you come down here and with the systems we have, with the way we have taken things, drinking has become a way to destroy somebody's life. And that's kind of the same thing that we've done with gambling. Mm. But I want to shift gears here. Um, Uncle Nath has been a huge blessing to us in the Youth ministry of Acabata Church, but Mm -hmm. he has, (laughs) in a previous... A message that he shared with us, he talked about his own life experience and coming from a place where he had nothing effectively to building a career over time for a lot of young people these days poverty, like we've said on this episode, poverty is the number one reason why they go into gambling. It is that I'm trying to raise money i'm trying to for some people, it's for noble causes. cannot alluded to this in his last response. Um it's you're, you're doing you want to do something that is good, but you're going about it the wrong way. How then do we reach out to these young people that have no other sources of income, that have nobody looking out for them and need this money, need to make their way in the world today? What do you say to a young
3: person like that? <clears throat> you see, it's not what do I say to the person. It's what does God say to the person, essentially. Okay. Um, the scriptures gives us patterns that gives us ideas in terms of how we address certain issues like that. <clears throat> and I believe that every church... Should be able to provide some kind of uh, safety nest Mm. for its members who are not as privileged. And I think, like here, Mm. when we talk about um, scholarship for students and so on and so forth, I think it's partly because we want to be able to help people who are in a situation where they cannot finance their education. Now, I'm not saying we've been able to take care of everybody,
2: Mm.
3: we should do more. And churches should do more because. God has given the body of Christ to be able to provide all that is needed. If you look at the early church, we are told everybody sold what they had and they shared. Nobody had any lack. And the church today is, should still be able to follow that pattern. Now, what I'm saying now is not even so much for the people who have the problem, for the church itself. Okay, Because the church has to take ownership of its members. The church has to be there, know what is happening to the members, and be able to provide in such a way that they provide that kind of safety to these people. You know, I was... There was this day... um, Somebody gave a testimony here. I can't remember what program it was. How she had had problems in in, in the school with a lecturer, and then, you know, uh, fortunately she didn't have to sleep with the person. Mm. But if I understand that testimony well, the person parted with money. Yeah. Now, I'm, I'm still sad that that happened. Mm. That person should be able to come to the church and say, this is the problem I'm having. Mm. And thank God, in, in this church, for example, we have literally, I mean, tens and twenties and thirties of people working work in university, mm who can intervene in situations like that. And even if we don't even have anybody, the church should be able to rise up to say, this is somebody who is a member of this local assembly that has a problem and we are going to intervene to do whatever it takes. So the first thing is the church itself must be alive to its responsibilities towards people who cannot look after themselves, but they're within us. That's number one. Number two, For such a person who is in that situation, you need to know that there is nothing you do that you can now say the end justifies the means. To say, okay, fine, what I want to do is good, but I don't know any other right way of doing it, so I'm going to do it the wrong way. No. The end does not justify the means. And for us as Christians, primarily, we need to check our our, our means of arriving at our destination. And sometimes when there are people in this situation, it's not always there are people in that situation, we should be humble enough to go and knock on the doors of people who we know are Christians and who would be willing to assist. And and that's what the church is, is there for. So, if you are in that kind of a situation, you don't have any means at all, you should be humble enough to admit that this is a challenge I'm having. And you should also live within your means. Because sometimes all these people come asking for money. You look at the hairstyle they are wearing, or you look at the kind of clothes they are wearing, the shoes they are wearing, and you ask yourself, are you really indigent? (laughs) So, the people should also be realistic in their outlook in the things they do, in the way they spend their money, in the way they manage their resources. Mm-hmm. And when school is off-season, look for something to do. Sometimes it is in looking for something to do that people understand. I'll give you an example. We, we have a poultry farm. Mm-hmm. And one day, somebody came and told us that there's this young girl who um, is a student in um, uh, College of Education, panshin and that she wants to be a poultry attendant now most of our poultry attendants some of them didn't even finish primary mm. school mm. all you need to do tell them what to do and they do it they look up that jacket and we were surprised that not even a boy but a girl mm. would want to come and work as a poultry attendant gladly we took her on and because of the way she was doing the work we don't give people transport money but because her house was far, and she was striking like Two or three kilometers to get to work after work trek back, we decided to give an allowance for, for transportation. Mm. To call the long story short, our relationship with her went beyond just poetry relationship. It went to being interested in her, seeking how seeing how we can also help in terms of making sure that she gets what she needs to be able to finish school. Mm. She, she's serving right now. So when people say they don't have money and they are laid back about it, they're not doing anything, they're not exacting themselves, people will not help you. But when you have a problem and people see you doing something to help yourself, people will come to your help. Remember how you used to go around cleaning houses. Mm. Sometimes you clean the house, somebody gives you 10000 You know the work you've done is not worth 10000 mm. mm. But just the fact that you show that initiative, the people will appreciate what you are doing. So I think the people who are in that kind of a situation, one, don't be ashamed. Don't be shy of talking to people about your problem. Mm. Two, live modestly. Live within your means. Three, do something with your hand also. You you don't have to wait. If you have to go and sweep somewhere, you have to go and uh, do laundry for somebody, do something with your hand. Scriptures cannot be broken. Mm. Psalm 37 verse 25 says, I was young, now I am old. I have never seen the son of the righteous forsaken or for begging for bread. That is Scripture. So, and I believe that the Scripture is true. Mm. For young people, for old people, for orphans, for people with parents, the scripture is true for everybody. So I think we can learn to do that. Thank you. Dr. Ferdinand,
2: on this? Maybe let me address a different attempt to comment on a different aspect of it. Because one of the things we established is that beyond poverty and the other issues, there are many other reasons that make people go into gambling. And poverty may even be lower down. Um, as against what we may expect Mm. to whip up sentiments and uh, justify the acts. Um, Some of the the issue of um, belonging and pleasure, because of how the category of people that are involved in gambling are probably your friends and they belong to a kind of group, there is a demographic of those kind of people, there's Mm. how they are seen, there's, there's the interactions they have, the hangouts they have, that kind of community that people look for, the pleasure they get in engaging in some of this activity may be something that somebody else is seeking and maybe the reason why people go into some of these things. Okay. I don't think pleasure is a problem because Revelations 11 says uh, God created all things and for his pleasure when they created. So even God wants to get pleasure. But he has put in us a way to get pleasure only when we are pleasuring him but we the devil is very subtle in his activities he always has a way of counterfeiting the things of god so he always has a way of pushing you to something else that will give you a semblance of that satisfaction you should get from doing what god would have expected you to do you to do to do something else so what i want to say is that you can gain that amount of pleasure and satisfaction doing something else that is worthwhile. Mm. Belonging to a sane community. For example, the the youth community of EPC is a very strong and growing community and the activities are interesting, they're exciting and Mm. um, you would want to be a part of it. So belonging to that kind of community you will realize that you get that satisfaction that you are looking for in yeah. belonging to a particular type of group because they will lure you because of the peer, peer pressure into what they are also doing so we should have a way of finding ourselves in those kind of communities the scripture says that um you you are either a slave in romance okay you are either a slave to sin to serve its lusts or you are a slave to righteousness okay unto god so Either way, <laughs> you choose um, what you want to be subject to. But being slaves to righteousness unto God is what we are created for. So when when you tow in that direction, you beam as God created you to, to, to beam. So you find fuller expression in who you are, who God has created you to be. So finding that community is what I, re- I really wanted to add. It's quite important that we all belong to that kind of community what that kind of community would do for us in addition would even address the economic issues we're talking about um i'll give you an example in my 100 and 200 level i never paid for accommodation because at some point i couldn't afford to pay until the accommodation spaces were closed but two of my friends took me in and they i didn't have to pay for the spaces they paid for the extra space and they, they didn't even they knew that I couldn't afford but they never asked for it, they never made me feel somehow mm-hmm. about it. Sometimes when we even go to get um supplies for food, they just behind my back bring out monies and then they buy everything and all. So belonging to that kind of community where like uncle was talking about what the earlier church looked like would also help you to even cover up those um financial issues that you're having. The problem of a brother is the problem of the church. Mm -hmm. So we're all able to carry out our burden, carry our burdens for each other. That is the principle of uh, how uh, cooperative banks started. Little contributions here and there, the other shit that people do. The same principle in health insurance, okay, for those that have more, paying for those that don't have so much. So it's the same principle that was borrowed from the early church that is being applied in the general in the world globally and it works for them so that's community like we're built for it and we should find that community that really works for us
1: okay now um speaking about the church now what does the bible say about gambling or does, does, does the bible speak about gambling and if if it doesn't why why not who wants to ask this question? You are looking it seems as though you were asking. <laughs> he, he didn't want to look
2: at you directly. So, okay. Well, let me attempt okay. before uh, <clears throat> Uncle answer. <laughs> yeah.
1: um, I saw your setup
2: there. <laughs>
0: sorry, sorry, before before you answer,
2: just
1: um, I wanted to add because for for the for the gamblers that really don't get affected by the outcome of their gambling, like those those who get. The results at the end, and they now feel like they have to pay tithes out of the the proceeds. The proceeds. So, well, just just as you are answering the question I asked earlier, you, you may just want to touch about on on, on this issue of bringing tithes out of the money you get from gambling.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I the Bible doesn't because of how the heart of man is and how like the scripture says the heart of man is thinking of evil 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 (laughs) all the time and the unregenerated heart of man just wants to devise new ways of evil so the bible couldn't have listed all the possible things that the heart of man could have been able to uh, um, envisage and all of that so the bible speaks in principles that we can apply across every area of life okay. for example living above your means mostly we've talked about the issue of greed looking doing that extra to live above your level and your means sometimes it all pushes people to gamble yeah at a stage of life where you should be satisfied and content with what you have, but you want to live above that. And the scriptures talks about contentment, godliness with contentment is a great gain. Okay. And it also talks about being satisfied with what you have. Uh, Paul said, "I've learned to be, to be to to paraphrase. And I can't remember verbatim. To cope in little and in much. So at every level, you find yourself as a as a Christian. You can survive. You mm-hmm. can cope." You can always tone down on what you eat, what you wear, <laughs> and where you go, okay, to to live within what your means is. So I think the Bible is very clear <laughs> on issues of gambling. I think the Bible is very clear in principles now, okay? So when you look at, um, another thing is, is uh, looking at work and yeah. how work comes about and how the laborer is worthy of his wages. Yeah. And then when you think of labor, you are thinking of the value you are producing. Okay. But in in things like gambling and ponzis in fact, if you look at the historical de- definition of gambling, it is linked to tricksters and fraudsters and all <laughs> of that. And you know, the Bible always talks about, in the beginning it was not so. Mm. It is now that we're redefining what some of these things are mm. to suit how society is is evolving so looking back now you 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 would know that if you are gaining any income think of what value have i created to deserve this income is somebody am i cheating somebody to get this so anytime you you make a hit <laughs> in gambling <laughs> just know that somebody else is weeping <laughs> Somebody else lost. So when you look at that in that way of work and producing value and then adding value to people around you and then knowing that you shouldn't cheat other people, taking some of these decisions may be be easier and um, clearer for us. So let me let Uncle answer (laughs) the (laughs) question. Sorry, um, you you talked about value.
1: So I just wanted to add or to ask, rather, if you're talking about the, the some cheating to get so these these organizations are profit organizations and their their sole aim is just to get profit Perfect. out of your own <laughs> so the probability of you losing to winning is so you, you can yeah. see that the, the the organizations are actually gaining more than so will you, will you still stay that's that's you cheating them or they cheating because the times you win are far
2: is far less that than is the, the times you win. So what can you say about this? You know, there's a saying in that parlance that says that the house never loses. Mm, yeah. <laughs> the house never loses. So the companies never lose. And then, um, betting is a, it's a, it's a highly productive, in quote venture for plenty of communities, including governments. Many people are highly invested. If you look at the top football clubs these days, who are their sponsors? (laughs) They're the the betting organizations. They're the ones that sponsor them. Most of these football clubs, they're the ones that sponsor them. And guess what? They pay a lot of tax to the government. So the government gains economically from these gambling houses. There is a lot of um, structure and regulation that is going into gambling now in plenty of places, even including Nigeria, okay? That makes it seem like, because it's getting to that point where it has now become acceptable even by by the government and then by the economic um, um, society, okay, of our world. But the question is, does it make it right? What you look at, what the government is not considering are the consequences of this gambling. They are not looking at what it does to their children. They're not looking at what it does to their families. They're not looking at the crime rate that increases. They're not looking at the loss of productivity at work that people would have otherwise put in to be more productive. They're not looking at that. So if you cannot bring data as to the effect of the consequences of gambling and compare it to what you are gaining from the taxation and all of that, you can't come out right to say that gambling is a productive venture for any nation or for any society as a whole. So either way, I will still say that somebody is losing. The okay. house is not losing. Usually, okay. it's the individual that loses. Okay. Yeah.
3: You know, <clears throat> I, 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 let me tell you one thing I thought I would not mention, but let me mention. In, uh, when I was in primary school uh, in the 60s, I can't remember what class, I think my class, three, class, four, or thereabout, one day we went to school, and uh I saw a boy uh tossing coin, you know, and then you know he will clap his hand like this. And then if you give him your own coin, they will ask you to see whether it's heads or tail. So if you say it correctly, he gives you his own. If you are wrong, <laughs> he takes yours. <laughs> so I looked at and the guy was making me, and now to discover that what he was doing. And I did it also. So let me just confess. <laughs> <laughs> so what we are doing really, when you toss the coin, as it lands in your hand, you look at it, you peep. So you know where the head, you know where the tail is. So if the person, if it's, if the head is this way, if the person says head, you turn your hand this way and it's still. Uh, wow. He loses, you collect his money. You know, and then when you do it to two, three people, you allow one person to win. Mm-hmm. You know, so that way, it people make, keep hoping that... until children didn't have their lunch money and they now went and complained (laughs) to the teacher and we were called and were all given a good beating and they (laughs) got the money back from us. (laughs) But that is also what the big betting houses are doing. Mm. They're not losing. That study I I mentioned earlier also says that the average uh, turnover for this company is about $10 million per month.
0: Month. Per per month. month.
3: That was
1: 2019.
3: <laughs> they are making money. And now, you that you win, just as he said, it is somebody else, mm-hmm. a lot of people that paid, lost their money. That is the money you've, you've, you've gotten. It's not your money. It's ill-gotten money. Mm-hmm. If it is Adashi, at least you know it will go around, it will be my turn, and I will get the same thing you are getting. <laughs> but this is not Adashi. This is a a chance kind of a thing. And many people keep going and going and not winning. Their homes are being wrecked. And then you are getting that money. That somebody now goes back home crying, children, no food. uh, Wife is angry, running to the parents' house. That is the money you are raking in. I don't want to call it blood money. Mm -hmm. But it is ill-gotten. And listen to what the scripture says in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 2 ill-gotten treasures have no lasting value Mm. but righteousness delivers from death that money is is not clean money so even if the the scripture does not say thou shall not gamble Mm -hmm. based on other principles that we know that that carry christian values we know that to do that is not the right thing to do Mm. because you are just taken from where you have not ripped at all okay so yes you may not find a particular verse in the bible that says thou shall not gamble as in thou shall not steal but if you look at the other principles that just as he has said it, it begins to show that look for me to do this i'm cheating other people it's the same thing i was doing when i was in in, in primary school it's the same these other big companies oh. are doing you are is the same thing people who are selling cocaine are doing they are ruining lives and they are, they are smiling to the bank so essentially for, for 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 us, even though it's not written that way, we know it is not something that we should engage in as Christians. And part of the other things about um, the, the things that gambling does is that people get to the point where they want to become clairvoyant. Mm. Because you want to be able to predict in such a way that you win. And once you get into that, you are doubling into the occult. Mm-hmm. So, why would you, as a Christian now want to do that and lead yourself far away from where you're supposed to be? Because it's like trying to see into the future and now saying this is what is going to happen. If God wants you to prophesy, he will call you to be a prophet and he will give you a different ministry, not uh, pool betting and, and, and stuff like that. But I also want us to make a distinction between uh, these kind of things and casting lots, because even in the Bible there was casting of lots. But that was not a game of chance where you stake money and you hope mm. to get more money in return. No. They were used to take decisions mm. either between this or that. And even in normal things, okay, you have only one thing. There are five people. Who gets it? Okay, let's cast lots. Whoever gets it, gets it. Mm. That is not gambling.
0: Okay.
3: Or raffle draws, where you have, maybe you are even raising funds for an event mm. where you have, say, okay, people just come and donate to this project, but as a, as a giveaway, we'll give... A token mm. only two three people will able to I mean that's just the fun of saying okay I'm donating to this cause. and even though you get something from it it's you know you are not buying that thing and everybody who goes into that knows that they are contributing for that particular uh, good cause okay there's nothing wrong with that. All uh, advertisers who advertise and say okay we' are going to do giveaway if you buy this we'll give you this if you need that thing, and you buy, okay. If you don't need that thing, you are buying now, so that you will get, and you are buying more and more, even though it, they become something, which is not right. Okay. But if, you are, if that's something, you normally would consume. Oh, you consume. If in the process, you win something, fine. If you don't win anything, it's still fine. So we should make that distinction also. Hmm. Okay. Uh,
0: but I think we've answered the question. Um, what... Do you type the money that you received from gambling?
3: If you're a pastor and somebody comes and says, "Pastor, I went and stole money in somebody's house yesterday. This is the tie from it." Would you accept? I don't think
2: you would. If you if you know, right? <laughs> if you know, or if you, if you don't, it's left to the person. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Or you definitely not get the rewards <laughs> from the god The rewards <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah okay um,
0: that's that, that, that's you've answered part of my next question well I, I, I still want I'll ask the first part what are the spiritual implications of gambling Dr. Ferdinand what are the long term spiritual effects of a gambling habit not necessarily a gambling addiction, like you said, but a gambling happy people that gamble casually. Or, or what are the long term spiritual applications? And does God reward gambling?
2: <laughs> okay, you'd um, let me start with the reward so I can get it out. <laughs> We will all be rewarded when we stand before the judgment seat of wow. God. Let me leave you at that. Wow. So whatever the rewards will be, mm. we shall we shall tell. Well, the long term spiritual implications, not necessarily the addiction. You you them. Um, let's not think too far. One of the things that living an unrighteous life does, is that it begins to cut off your relationship from God. So God has placed that thing in in everyone's heart and conscience to demarcate between good and evil. And for some people, what is good for you or what is evil for you? God has placed that in the hearts of people. So when you are doing things that you know that you should not do, naturally, your relationship with God begins to win. Your contact with God begins to reduce and become epileptic. So, when if you if you were having a robust and productive time with God on the daily, before you lose that, hmm. it will become epileptic. You will start giving yourself and God excuses why you cannot do that, and then even when you come before god you do not connect you do it like a ritual so that if you are in an atmosphere where people would usually ask you oh how was your time or if you are such a person that would usually discuss with people the things that god has been doing in your life or dealing with you you stop doing those things okay so the time with god just becomes rude and just becomes superficial you really don't get anything from that so it affects your direct relationship with god then it affects your relationship with god's people so if you if you were close to somebody like uh, Daniel that has led this podcast on gambling <laughs> 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 and you usually have spiritual discussions, naturally you would avoid hmm. that mm-hmm. kind of community that would call you out yeah. on some of those things. They may not even call you out. The way it will make you feel mm-hmm. alone. So the devil is subtle, like I've said before, so when he gets to those kind of level, what he does is to pull you out of the community that can help you. You begin to isolate from that community and then you begin to, you become alone first and then you begin to identify with other communities that can associate with your new lifestyle. So that cutoff from God, from the community of, of Christians is very important. Then I also want to add on, on the spiritual implication of reliance on God. When the, the Lord's Prayer says, give us our daily bread, <laughs> God desires that we come to him daily for our bread. But what gambling does is to take that, it's like telling God that, God, oh, I know I'm drowning, oh, I'm re- I'm stretching out my hand to you to help me, but are you sure you can help me? Mm. Are you sure you don't need a little help from me to help me? <laughs> 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 so when you, when you try to live outside of God's provision for you, that's what it does. So you lose that reliance on God and then you take matters into your own hands. What happens is that you step out of that covering of God and then you begin to rely on other things for your provisions and it will change what your desires are. Then you now realize that uh, you are no longer your needs or your wants are no longer being met. Mm -hmm. The reason is because your needs and your wants have changed from what God desires your needs and your wants to be, because they are no longer in tandem with what God's will Mm are. So they are no longer being met. You now begin to think that oh, God can no longer meet my needs. So let me find extra ways to meet um, um my own needs. So in a very subtle way, you begin to move away from reliance of God to idolatry. Mm. And then you now start trusting in other arms to provide what you need. And whatever you invest your heart and your mind in becomes your God. And then you do a lot of research into whatever you're gambling into, if it's football, you do a lot of research into the name of the dog of Cristiano Ronaldo. (laughs) 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 Because that's you spend so much time, productive time into that, to know so much about some of these things so that you can predict correctly. And when you spend your time, give your time and your heart to it, it becomes an idol to you and begins to compete with God in that regard. So I think it has a lot of spiritual implications, both in the immediate one and then in the in the long term. Let me ask some
1: questions if he has any addition
3: to what he just said no. Well, <laughs> <Definitely>. well, well, <laughs> well he, he, has, he has said, uh, I think, the, the bulk of it. I mentioned the, how people get tempted to go into clavoyancy and other things. Uh, the other thing is that gambling also uh, brings along with it other social vices with time for example you are gambling you are losing money you get into borrowing money sometimes and then when you borrow money sometimes you cannot be truthful you can you if you come to me now and say i need money i i I want to place a bet i'm sure i win today (laughs) you can be sure if i don't kick you (laughs) (laughs) so what will you come you you come and tell me something which is not the truth Mm. so we begin to Get into other beats, just like you mm-hmm. said, because the more you cut yourself off from God, the more the propensity to venture into other things come in, mm-hmm. and uh, people start from this uh, pool betting, which is now this uh, bet Nigeria, and all this is from the pool of the olden days. Mm-hmm. That is metamorphosis People graduate from that to higher levels. People now begin to go to casinos to sit down, you play blackjack, you do the wheel, and all those other things. And more and more, as you begin to engage in that one, of course, there are other things that will yeah, go along with, with that. Loose <laughs> women are there. Yeah. Uh, alcohol there. Other things are there. So you discover that people begin to also graduate to higher levels of separation from God, so to say. From what started maybe as fun-loving or as looking for money. So there is also that danger that is real. The other thing is the area of waste. If you look at John chapter 6, where Christ fed thousands of people, you know, he told his disciples, go and pick up the pieces, let nothing be wasted. Of the four gospels, it's only John that gave the reason why Jesus said they should do that. He said, so that nothing be wasted. This is the man, the God man, who can recreate bread out of nothing any time. But he didn't want waste. If you get into gambling, there's a lot of waste in it. Those who make it and make it big are very few, very few. And even those ones, only God knows how much they've sunk into it. Money you are putting into it is is money going down the drain. And I don't think God wants us to waste resources that way. We've had stories, I mean, real life stories of people whose families have broken just because of the financial strain that came on the home as a result of the gambling habit of the husband. That is not what we want to do. So that begins to affect not only your own spirituality, but also the spirituality of members of your home, your wife, your children, you know. So the the, the ramifications is is quite wide, you know. So I think uh, uh, those are maybe a few other things I'll add to what uh, Ferdinand has said.
1: Okay. Um, So for a generation like ours, a very tech generation where... Gambling is easily accessible by kids now. So, what what is the role parents have to play now in, in making sure these things don't get out of hand, or in trying to curtail the? I'll, I'll
3: still ask you. Okay, <laughs> okay. you are asking me, or you are asking? <laughs> asking <me? laughs> One of the things that uh, we as parents do and who are people are growing up with us we we don't grant access to um, devices early Hmm. to people in our house of course they have access to use uh, a laptop to be able to do assignments to be able to access the school site to do other things but uh, in secondary school you don't have um, an android phone you have just one that you can answer calls and Hmm. send that that is the best you do And as they grow, we begin to not just expose them to, but also show them what is right and what is not right. So that by the time they get these gadgets, they know fully well the kind of limits we expect. Now, and at that level, uh, you cannot begin to say, okay, if you have younger kids that you're allowed to do that, then of course you have to think about the kind of uh, de- uh security devices that you can put in to limit yeah, their accessibility yeah. to those sites and all those things but if you ask me maybe i'm old school but i really don't think uh young children should be fiddling around with androids and those kind of stuff there are other devices that are safe for them created for them meant for them that would not grant them access to those kind of things that's perfectly okay i don't have a problem with that But this kind of a free access thing that parents say, "Ah, eh, eh, all the poverty I experienced in my life, my children cannot go through that. They must enjoy everything. When they over enjoy, the the problem becomes a a different thing altogether. So I think we need to uh, teach our children what these things are all about so that when they get exposed to them, they know what the appropriate response ought to be. And then we should also, uh, if God grants us the ability, we should also make sure we meet the legitimate needs of our children. We should not be uh, pampering them, but we should not be too miserly to the point where they are just managing to get along and they are exposed to the danger of wanting to look for something else. So we should look at what is legitimate needs that they have and we meet those needs. And when we meet those needs, then it becomes easier. For us to safeguard them against the temptation that will try to lure them away, to try to look for um, excessive money, but more than anything else, parents need to pray now like never before. It does. In fact, we tell parents start praying for your child the moment you know there's a conception. Don't even wait until they are born.
0: They
3: need that prayer support. I know we used to think that once our children are grown. Ah, we would rest. No, you would not rest. You pray more.
1: Yeah.
3: Because not only are you praying from your child, you are praying for your child's spouse. So, children come along, you are praying for your grandchildren. So, it never stops, it just gets more. Okay. Thank you, sir.
2: Um, Dr. Like may do you have any addition to what you said? <laughs> <laughs> you should. Well, um, maybe just one thing i think we should we can't isolate people from the happenings of the day and i totally agree with uncle that uh, people should gadgets and access should be age appropriate and you may not be able to control where or when even your children that you have tried to keep some of these gadgets away from them get access to them eventually maybe in school it may be with friends even be within the church with other other friends in within the within the church so it's important to to teach children how to respond to some of these things to teach them what is right what is wrong how to interact with these things how to identify what they should be engaging in and what they should not be engaging in and how to how to engage with their own emotions and their own feelings because somebody will tell you um this is this is how i feel this is what i want this is what all my friends are doing this is what my friends are getting okay. so and they say i can i can get extra cash if my parents are not giving me because somebody else did it and it was i think it was a trouboush in one of his books um i love the girl yes i said the existence of a desire does not justify its satisfaction so you, you you have that desire You doesn't mean you should satisfy it. You Another book says, why say no when my hormones say go? <laughs> <laughs> so some of those desires are meant to be controlled. Some of those impulses are not meant to be satisfied all the time. So we need to teach children and young people how to engage with those desires, how to engage with those feelings, and then how to sift sift them out and then to identify what is real, what is concrete, what is legitimate for them to satisfy, and also teach them how they can satisfy some of those desires they have in a safe um, environment, so just to add that.
0: Thank you both very much. Um, any final words to our listeners who may have gambling problems themselves or may have friends with gambling problems? I think you've just been the starter for all
3: of (laughs) us. Well, at least at the end of this podcast, there's no doubt about it that gambling is not appropriate for a Christian. It's not right, and if you are in it, maybe you didn't know it's something bad. You can always turn around. You don't have to continue. Once you know you're on the wrong route, the next thing to do is to do a U-turn. And you can always do that. It's never too late to turn around. And maybe you are thinking, if I stop doing this, how will my needs be met? Try God. Try Him. He's the one who said, look, seek first, my, yeah. and then all these other things will be added. Like the preacher said this morning, maybe the reason why we're not experiencing it is because we're not dwelling where we're supposed to be. But if we return to God and we remain where he wants us to be, God will not let us out. And I would encourage people like that to go and look at Psalm 37 particularly particular. Read like from verse 1 to the end. It's very encouraging. Thank you very much, sir. Mr. Ferdinand.
2: Okay, thank you. Um, my final words would be that we should, from this podcast, be able to identify if you are engaged gambling in one way or the other. Mm -hmm. You may not have known that what you were doing was Mm -hmm. gambling before, but now you know. If you know now, what you should ask yourself is, can I stop it? Am I willing to stop it? If the answer is yes, try to stop it. And if you try to stop it and it worked, stop it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Don't go back to it. And... If you try to stop it and it did not work, call out, seek help, Mm. there's help, speak up by all means, and then you can find help. And then be an ambassador to helping other people, okay, to engage with what they are doing, to identify it correctly, to name it correctly, and then to stop it if they can. That would be my final
0: thank you both very much for your wonderful insights on this show today i appreciate your time thank you hat. Thank, thank you for hosting <laughs> <laughs> and thank you for listening to youth vibes today um we've heard all about it we've heard all about gambling on this show it's an inherently unfair system that makes you fail time and again you may win once in a while but it causes multiple side effects many of which we've talked about on this show some of them you don't see immediately and it ultimately banks on one person's misfortune to favor another it's not morally acceptable it's not spiritually acceptable it's wrong thank you for listening if you enjoyed this episode consider subscribing to Vibes wherever you get your podcasts also we have a little bit of news we ministry of a couple in addition to youth lives just launched a newsletter hey. and you can yeah <laughs> you can subscribe to faith watch on substack it's faithwatch.substack.com um we're still sorting out our our release schedule but you're supposed to get um faith watching your email inboxes every first and third friday of the month so subscribe it's available on the web it's available If you subscribe on the web, you can get it in your inbox every first and third Friday of the month, so please subscribe. This episode of Youth Vibes was produced by Seth Kuji and mixed by yours truly in collaboration with Akapati Church Youth Fellowship. Turn on your notifications so that you don't miss a single episode. And if you have feedback, I know a lot of people have a lot of thoughts and feelings about what they've heard on this episode. You can send it in using the link at the end of the episode description. Or if you'd like, send us an email at youthfornupc at gmail.com. That's YOUTH number four epc at gmail.com. Our theme music is by Vashua Dami. Special thanks to Ernest Nampon and Seth Kuj. That's it for you vibes this week. We'll see you right here next week.